For Thursday, November 11th, Veterans Day, it's the early word from the WNYC Newsroom. Hi there, I'm Isaac Davy Aronson with a look at this morning's top news, the day ahead, and reporting highlights from the WNYC News team. Coming up, Marianne McCune introduces us to a group of New Yorkers using text messaging to help root out vote fraud in a landmark presidential election in the West African nation of Guinea. We start with this morning's top headlines just ahead. The Early Word is a production of WNYC Radio. You can support this podcast by making a donation at WNYC.org, where you can also get the latest updates on this morning's headlines on the news page. Celebrating Veterans Day halfway around the world, President Obama saluted the bravery of U.S. troops who fought in the Korean War. Obama recognized 62 veterans of that conflict who were in the audience at an army installation in Seoul, South Korea, telling them it's not the forgotten war, as some have called it. We remember. We remember your courage. We remember your sacrifice. The legacy of your service lives on in a free and prosperous Republic of Korea. Obama also recognized Korean soldiers who fought alongside American forces. The president is in South Korea for the G20 summit. Iraqi Prime Minister Nouri al-Maliki is getting another four-year term. Lawmakers worked late into the night on a tentative deal to form a new government. It breaks an eight-month impasse that paralyzed the government and raised fears that insurgents would take advantage of the situation to stoke violence. No one is warming to the initial proposals from President Obama's deficit commission. Among other things, the panel's leaders have recommended increasing the retirement age for Social Security benefits to 69 by 2075, cutting military and other spending, and eliminating several popular tax deductions. Any final proposals would require approval from two-thirds of the commission's 18 bipartisan members in order to be sent to Congress. Europe's Air Safety Authority has ordered airlines to conduct new tests on the type of Rolls-Royce engine that failed in a Qantas A380 last week. The European Aviation Safety Authority says an oil fire may have caused that failure. Meanwhile, Qantas says it's extending the time its Airbus Super Jumbo fleet will be grounded because it hasn't finished safety checks. New York City police officers fired fewer shots last year than at any time in the last 40 years. Statistics released by the NYPD show 296 bullets were discharged in 2009 in 105 incidents. That's 19% fewer bullets than in 2008 and a steep drop from the historical high set in 1972 of more than 2,500 rounds fired in nearly 1,000 incidents. John Jay College of Criminal Justice Professor Eugene O'Donnell says the reduction is due to changes in the NYPD's internal culture. And this really underscores the fact that regulation, oversight, training, investing in this issue, making it the the most significant issue in the agency, they actually work. Even the skeptical, hardened cop has to admit that there's been tremendous progress in this area. Experts say the fatal police shootings of two unarmed men, Amadou Diallo in 1999 and Sean Bell in 2006, prompted changes in the department. New Jersey Transit is taking under consideration a request by the federal government to pay back some of the millions of dollars it received for a Hudson River train tunnel that was scuttled by Governor Christie. WNYC's Alex Goldmark has more. New Jersey's already spent more than $600 million on construction, engineering, and planning for the transit tunnel that won't happen. Almost half of that so far was federal money. So the Federal Transit Administration sent New Jersey Transit a bill on Monday, asking for $271 million back, plus interest and penalties to be paid immediately. 
New Jersey Transit Executive Director James Weinstein told reporters that he doesn't agree that the issues are as clear-cut as portrayed in the FTA letter. New Jersey Transit is assessing its options, he says. Governor Chris Christie killed the tunnel last month because he thought New Jersey's share of the $9 billion project was too much, at $2.7 billion plus any cost overruns. For WNYC, I'm Alex Goldmark. For more on this and to see the bill sent to NJ Transit, go to transportationnation.org. Outgoing city schools, Chancellor Joel Klein has given a rare mea culpa. The chancellor told a gathering of academics that he had a few regrets about his eight years in charge of the city schools. I buy and accept the fact that we did not, I did not, do as well in terms of building community support, explaining what we're doing, making sure that our voices and supporters were heard effectively. Klein tried to close 19 schools this year, but was blocked when some parents and the teachers union filed a lawsuit. Klein expects to leave in mid-December for a new job at News Corp, creating educational technologies. Mayor Bloomberg has chosen Hearst Magazine's chairwoman Kathy Black to succeed him. This year, for the first time, Walmart is the lead sponsor of the New York City Veterans Day Parade. The world's largest retailer is considering opening its first store in the city and has reportedly been checking out properties in Brooklyn. But spokesman Stephen Restivo says that's not the reason Walmart became a sponsor. He says this year, Walmart the company and the Walmart Foundation made a $10 million commitment to support veterans on a variety of issues. Such as unemployment, mental health and education. And we feel like we can be part of the solution in all those areas. Walmart is one of the largest employers of veterans and is sponsoring parades in other cities as well. Walmart paid $100,000 to become New York City's lead sponsor. Company executives will march in today's parade. Other sponsors include U-Haul, HBO, NBC, and the History Channel. Taking a look at today's calendar, Vice President Biden hosts a Veterans Day breakfast at the White House before laying a wreath at the Tomb of the Unknowns and delivering remarks at Arlington National Cemetery while President Obama is in South Korea. In New York, over 3,000 active duty service personnel and 20,000 others, including Governor Patterson and Mayor Bloomberg, are expected to march in the 91st Annual Veterans Day Parade up Fifth Avenue. Street closures begin at 8 a.m. around 23rd Street and Fifth Avenue. The 74-foot-tall, 40-foot-in-diameter, 12-ton Norway spruce that will be the Rockefeller Center Christmas tree will be cut down today and loaded onto a flatbed truck for the 90-minute trip to New York City. And after far too long in retirement, the Pee Wee Herman Show opens tonight on Broadway, perhaps demonstrating the broad appeal of Paul Rubin's character. In the audience at the Sondheim Theater will be Renee Zellweger, Cindy Lauper, Susan Sarandon, Wendy Williams, Rosie Perez, John Waters, and Fran Lebowitz. Just to name a few. Just a few of the things happening this Veterans Day. In the West African nation of Guinea, officials are still counting ballots in a very close runoff election for president. This election could transform Guinea, which has 10 million people, into a democracy after decades of dictatorial rule. And here in New York, a group of international volunteers has found an unusual way to support the country's transition. They've asked Ghanaians to use their cell phones to send a text if they experience an election-related problem. WNYC's Marianne McCune has more. It's the Ghanaian equivalent of, if you see something, say something. But there, the official language is French. So Jennifer Swift Morgan of the Ghanaian Alliance says their public information campaign in Guinea was this. 
Je vois, j'envoie. Je vois, if I see something, j'envoie a text, an SMS to the system. Basically, anyone in Guinea observing voting problems or successes can send a text that goes to the Alliance's website. Then the Alliance's members use a crowdsourcing program called Ushahidi to sort through and map the responses on a public website. Ushahidi was created in the violent aftermath of Kenya's 2007 election to track incidences of violence on a Google map. Ghanaian grad student Al-Hussein Ba helped start Guinea's election monitoring project here in New York. When you live outside of the country, it's easier for you to fight more than the people who live in the country. Ba says when he left Guinea in 2006, this project wouldn't have been possible, and not just because of an oppressive government. Guinea is rich in minerals, bauxite and iron, but most of the people are poor. It was very, very difficult to have cell phone in Guinea. People are still poor, but now more have cell phones than don't, he says. And the five service providers in Guinea even agreed to promote the vote monitoring project through a text to their customers. The Ghanaian Alliance got a $13,000 grant from the U.S. State Department through the embassy in Guinea. But that went mostly to technology, billboards and banners, and radio and television spots. The people running it are all volunteers. Right this minute, I'm messaging with one of our core team members who's in France, another Ghanaian who's been on improving messages. I also have somebody on from Albuquerque, and then another woman in Philadelphia who's married to a Ghanaian. So they're all on right now in the system. Swift Morgan is in a conference room at her day job, raising money for Columbia University's Earth Institute. But she's taking a break, laptop open, to check the text messages coming in. The voting was Sunday, and international monitors say it went relatively smoothly, but she says she's still getting some allegations of fraud, for example. That you could buy a blank ballot and mark your candidate, and those were being then put into the ballot boxes ahead of time, so they were stuffing ballots. The Ghanaian alliance was born a year ago, after a pro-democracy rally in Guinea resulted in a government massacre of more than 150 people. A Human Rights Watch report says security forces opened fire on tens of thousands of opposition supporters at a stadium in the capital and sexually assaulted dozens of women. Al-Hussein Ba was here in New York, and he was planning a protest at the U.N. the same day, September 28th. At 8 o'clock in the morning, I was leaving my house, and they called me. They said, oh, they killed many people in Guinea. Everyone was calling each other, and we just said, you know, we got to do something. Swift Morgan was a Peace Corps volunteer in Guinea 10 years ago and continues to do research there. She and Ba and others, both Ghanaian and not, started the alliance to support the fight for democracy in Guinea. They wanted to help ensure a free and fair election. That's why the people died. They sacrificed themselves so that there would be democracy in Guinea. The elections this year have been plagued by violent conflict. The two main candidates are from different ethnic groups, and the campaigns have played up their differences. So far, Ghanaians have texted more than 20,000 messages to the Ghanaian Alliance's website, but many of them have been positive, and another core alliance member, Raoul Rothblatt, says he wishes those had gotten more attention. It's not exciting to talk about, well, nothing really happened here, or people are feeling kind of good. That's not very newsworthy, but that was really part of it that got lost. Some of the texts are just love letters to the project's Ghanaian spokesperson, Miss Guinea. Others are expressions of gratitude for being able to vote or plugs for one candidate or another. So it's the job of about 30 dedicated volunteers around the world to sort through the messages and map the 5% or so that actually identify a specific allegation in a specific place. 
On Election Day, Rothblatt says they were able to tell their team in Guinea's capital, Conakry, about specific problems and get them fixed. That's stunning to me that somebody in Kisidugu can send a message and we get it here and then we send it back to Conakry and then it gets to Kisidugu again. In one district, there weren't enough ballots, someone texted. The team in Conakry verified and Guinea's Electoral Commission delivered more. In other areas, Swift Morgan says there were reports of tampering, again verified and corrected by an electoral commission delegate. Hello, Ba. Usman. Comment ça va? Swift Morgan uses Skype to call her project coordinator in Conakry to arrange a steering committee conference call to plan their next move. With votes still uncounted in Guinea and the race very close, the Ghanaian alliance is figuring out how to address the next challenge, what happens when the results are announced. Either way, the losing side is going to react. So that's what we're bracing for. We're hoping for the best and bracing for the worst, that there might be cases of violence, and we want to make sure our site's up and running to be monitoring any conflict very carefully. Al-Hussein Ba hopes the alliance's civilian vote monitoring project will ultimately help Ghanaians accept the election's outcome. The best way is to show them, yeah, if you lose, it's because people don't vote for you. If you win is you have the majority of the population who voted for you. What's the difference between allegation and protestation? The Ghanaian Alliance is dreaming up ways to use crowdsourcing technology in the future, maybe to monitor the delivery of public services as Guinea's democracy gets started. Maybe the group can help track corruption. Swift Morgan says their plan is to ask the Ghanaian people, this is a tool, how would you like to use it? For WNYC, I'm Marianne McCune. We'll wrap up with the gig alert. Our look at tonight's music scene, Toots and the Mytals, is mostly known for its trademark Jamaican reggae. But on this track, Perfect Lover, from the band's recent album Flip and Twist, frontman Frederick Toots Hibbert dials in on 80s-era soul-inflected R&B. Toots and the Mytals perform tonight at Brooklyn Bowl in Williamsburg. You can download this track for free on our culture page. Just click on culture at wnyc.org. And you can learn more about all the stories you heard here, download more podcasts, and go in-depth with our reporters on the news blog. It's all at our website, wnyc.org. You can hear us there 24 hours a day, as well as on the air at 93.9 FM and AM 820. From the WNYC newsroom, I'm Isaac Davey Aronson. Have a great day. And to all our veterans and their families, thank you. Perfect love.